Hey, my name is Jason Byler. I'm the pastor of Life Change Church. Thank you so much for checking out our podcasts. I believe that if you'll listen to them, uh, that you will be blessed. Mark 4 tells us that the Word of God uh, planted down inside of our hearts uh, can bring forth a rich, beautiful, abundant harvest in our lives. This is my desire uh, for you. Uh, so as you listen to the Word, just receive it. Let it get down in your heart. And bring forth a harvest. Thank you so much again for listening. God bless you. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, as Joy said, we are uh, going to start a new series uh, this morning, uh, calling it uh, The Thorns. And uh, it is a it comes from a story that Jesus told that we will uh, get into here in just a moment. Uh, but uh, how, many of you, how many of you know uh, that when you're trying to grow something, uh, that thorns, man, they can be a real problem? Uh, and maybe even uh, more uh, than we realize, maybe even a bigger problem uh, than uh, we know. I know right now it's, it's real popular uh, to, uh, to plant and to grow all kinds of fruits and vegetables. Uh, you know, seeds are flying off the shelf and people are buying up uh, tomato plants. And I don't know, it's a little late for that, I guess. But, uh, but, uh, but you know, they have been trying to, trying to grow things. And, and if you want to grow uh, fruits and vegetables and you want them to be as fruitful and beautiful and healthy as they can be, then you've got to, at some point in time, deal with the thorns. And how many of you know that uh, there are some things that we are to plant and grow uh, that are more important than fruits and vegetables? And if we want, want the same result, we want fruitfulness and, and health and, and growth, uh, then at some point in time, We've got to do something about the thorns, and we've got to deal with the thorns. Now, we, uh, we learn this truth uh, from a story that Jesus told, uh, and the, uh, the story you're probably very familiar with, it's found in, in Mark chapter 4, also in Luke uh, chapter 8. Uh, we're going to look at the, the Mark 4 uh, account uh, of this. Now, don't check out on me here because you know uh, this passage uh, of Scripture because this is a very, very rich, important, and powerful uh, teaching that Jesus brings uh, right here. He actually begins uh, in Mark 4, uh, as the you know, crowds have gathered, uh, he begins this parable in, in kind of a different way than he would normally begin. He says to, to the crowd, listen! He like grabs their attention right off the bat with an exclamation point because he knows, of course he's always saying important things, but this is such an important truth that he is about to share with them and that he's about to teach. So he begins, calls out to the crowd and says, listen. And so I would say that to you this morning. Listen to all of you online. Listen today and hear the word now the parable begins by Jesus saying that there is a farmer who goes out and sows seed. And you know in that time, 
that Jesus was in, that they would take seed and they would throw it out on the ground. And so he talks about this farmer throwing out seed on the ground and he says that the seed, some of the seed landed on the road, on, on very hard ground that had been packed down because it's a road, people walking up and down it all of the time. And he said that seed that landed on the road, very quickly birds came and they got that seed and they ate up that seed so that it, so that it didn't get into the ground, it didn't put forth any roots down into the ground. It didn't bring forth any harvest at all. It was just quickly eaten up off of the ground. And then Jesus said that some of the other seed fell on ground, but it was rocky ground. And that seed grew, it it got root down, and and it began to grow up uh, quickly, and it began to flourish and and to thrive. But but because there was rocks all in the ground, the roots couldn't get down deep. And so when the sun came out and difficulty came, it scorched that seed, and it it perished and was uh, unfruitful. And then Jesus said some of the seed fell uh, on ground. Ground and it began to grow and it grew up, but it also, but it was also thorny ground, and so these thorns grew up with it and it made it unfruitful. And then Jesus said that there's some of the seed that fell on good soil. It fell uh, on good ground and it, and it, and it planted and, and it rooted and, and it grew and it, and it, and it was healthy and strong and there weren't any rocks and there, and there weren't any thorns and it just grew up and it produced a harvest. It was fruitful. It produced an abundant uh, harvest. And then he ended the parable and everybody was scratching their heads as we would probably be scratching our heads if Jesus hadn't been asked a question later by his disciples. Later, the disciples said to him, they said, Jesus, what does this parable mean? Tell us the meaning of this so that we can understand. So so for his disciples, Jesus breaks down the meaning of this parable. And I want to read it to us again here in Mark chapter 4. Let's start at verse 13. A little coffee break. Then Jesus said to them, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? I, would, I don't know that Jesus was frustrated like that, but every now and then he would just kind of kind of say things to the disciples that made him like that made him sound like he was just like, What am I gonna do with you guys? Right? You ever feel that way about yourself? I know we feel that way about other people sometimes, but you ever feel that way about yourself? Like, what in the world am I gonna do with me? Then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? So now he goes in to explain the parable to them. The farmer sows the word. It's so important, isn't it? Right off the bat, all of a sudden, this parable starts to gain a whole lot more clarity as Jesus just explains that the farmer is sowing seed and that that seed that he is sowing is the word. Now in Luke's account, Luke gets just a little bit more specific with it and says that it is the word of God. So this farmer coming out sowing seed and this seed is the word of God. So we have the Word of God, now a seed that is planted, that is being sown to be planted. So now if we go all the way to the end of the parable, we recognize that this seed of the Word of God can be planted and bring forth a fruitful harvest. 
Verse 15 says, some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. So Jesus now explains it a little bit further and this really begins to make sense that the seed is the word of God and that where the seed is being sown is on people, on the lives of people. Luke's account he uses the word heart, which, which, is a, which is a word that doesn't mean, in the Greek, doesn't mean like our, our physical heart, but it means the, the very essence and core of who we are. It's all of who we are, that this seed that is sown, the Word of God, is sown onto us who are people. And he said, some people are like the path where the word is sown, and as soon as they hear it, boom, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. So let me just point out here, because now we've got somebody else in the picture. He even explains the birds that come and take the seed, that they are representing Satan, who is a thief and a liar and a murderer, and comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And here he comes to steal the word of God that has been sown by uh, the preacher, uh, by, the, by Jesus, uh, by the farmer sowing uh, the seed and, and stealing it from uh, people. So we've got the seed that is the word of God. Uh, we have uh, Jesus in this picture uh, sowing uh, the seed of the word of God. We have the people who are being uh, sown on to, and then we also have Satan who comes into the equation, and what is he trying to do? He's trying to steal the seed. And why in the world would he want to do that? Why would he even be worried about it? Why would he even care? Because the seed's a big deal, and he knows it. And he doesn't want that to get planted into the heart of a person and begin to grow because he knows that that word, that seed is powerful, that it is life-changing and transforming. So he pays some real attention to making sure that he snatches up that seed before it can even get rooted or even begin to grow. Then Jesus carries on here in this parable, in this explanation of the parable. Others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. And so now we have, you see a little bit of a difference here in this ground, right? The first, they hear the word, but it is stolen quickly before it can do anything else. Second, there's a little bit of a further progression into this. They hear it and they receive it. They receive it with joy. They, they, it's not taken from them. They, they take it in and they receive it and Satan can't come and steal it. They receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Verse 18, still others like seeds sown among thorns hear the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. 
So here we have uh, Jesus now uh, explaining uh, the ground that has the thorns. And he says here, there is a hearing of the word and a receiving of the word. And the word uh, grows up in, in the life of the person. But there are thorns that come and make this unfruitful. And he explains the thorns to us, the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and what? Choke the word making it unfruitful. It doesn't necessarily say here that the word is killed, that the word is gone, that the word is totally eliminated, but it does say that the word here is made unfruitful. And now this last uh, explanation kind of brings all of this into light as well as we move into verse 20. It says, others like seeds sown on good soil, they hear the word, they accept it, and produce a crop. So they hear it, but it's not stolen. They accept it, receive it, and it grows and gets forth and puts down roots. And there's not rocks there to keep it from getting deep roots. So it's able to face trouble and persecution. And there are not thorns there to, to, to come and choke it out and make it unfruitful. So not only do they hear it and it's not stolen, but they accept it and it's not quickly scorched or withered. And it produces a crop. Some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. This is not corn or apple seeds or okra or purple whole peas. I just kind of drifted a little bit right there. I'm sorry, coming back. Man, those things are good, aren't they? Hallelujah. Put them on some rice, a little hot sauce. Praise Jesus. Anyway, what were we talking about? Man, if you like put a ribeye in there with that, that'd be... Thank you, Jesus. Okay. Focus, Jason. Everybody's leaving. Out the door we go, man. (laughs) Start talking food. (laughs) They produce a a harvest, a crop, a, a, a fruit that comes not from those seeds that I'm talking about, but the seed of the Word of God brings forth an abundant harvest in their lives. So let me just take a moment and remind you of the importance, the importance, the importance of the Word of God and of the fruit of the Word of God. Let me remind you of Psalm chapter 1, just verses 1 through 3. It's such an important, powerful passage of Scripture. It says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, whose delight is in the word of the Lord, and who meditates on his word, on his law, day and night. This passion for the holy word of God, meditating on it day and night, and look what happens. This is going to bring forth fruit in their lives. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. That's good, isn't it? The fruit of the word of God in our lives is a fruit that brings prosperity in our lives. So when the word of God is planted down inside of us and it is allowed to flourish and grow and not be choked out by the thorns, then the fruit that it will produce is this right here in our lives. Success 
and prosperity. I'm not talking about like the, the world kind of prosperity. I'm going to be rich and famous and have everything that I want, right? A bass boat and a Corvette and I don't know, I don't want that. A Porsche 911, you know, or, 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 or whatever else anybody wants. I'm not talking about that. We're talking about a prosperity of abundant life within our lives. Wherever we go, we succeed in the things that God has called us to do. This is what the Word of God does in our lives. You remember Revelation uh, chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1 talks to us about the uh, word of the Lord and the blessing that comes. Revelation uh, 1 uh, verse 3 talking to us about that book of Revelation but it applies to the word of God that there is a blessing that comes to the one who reads the word and of this prophecy and blessed are those, there it is again, uh, who hear it and take it to heart to take to heart what is written in it because the time is near. So there's a, a blessing of the Lord that is the fruit of the Word of God produced in our lives. When the Word of God is planted in us and it grows up in our lives, it produces the fruit of God's blessing on our lives. So let me just speak to, to parents uh, for a moment, if I can. What better thing can we do for our children then give them a heart that is prepared and ready to receive the Word of God so that when that Word is planted within their hearts, it brings forth a harvest. It brings forth a fruit of prosperity and the blessing of God. I want that for my kids. I want them to succeed and prosper in everything that they do. I want them to be under the spout where the glory comes out. As the old folks used to say, under God's blessing. Hallelujah. Thank you, man. I got a good laugh from my brother over here and a wonderful smile. I appreciate that. Right there, that encouraged me. I'm going to try my best to be even funnier. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Another wonderful uh, blessing uh, scripture that is so important is James chapter 1, verse 21. Uh, you know this. This is such an important passage of scripture. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. That's not very popular in our culture, is it? And humbly accept the word planted in you, which can do what? Which can save you. This word that is planted down inside of our hearts not only brings success and prosperity, not only brings the blessing of the Lord, but is a word planted in us that brings forth a fruit that can save us, right? We could go on and on and mention more and more. You know, Psalm 119 uh, verse 11, uh, that your word is, is, that is, that is planted down uh, inside of me. I've hidden it in my heart that I might not sin against you. It brings forth a fruit of righteousness or, or, or Psalm 119, 105. You want to, you want to read just some passion about the word of God? Read Psalm 119, 105 says that, that your word is a what? A lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. These are fruits of the word of God, right? We could go on to talk about how it is a sword, a, a, a defense against our enemy. And we could just take a really good look at Matthew chapter four, where what did Jesus do when he faced the enemy, the deceptive enemy who wants to steal, kill, and destroy? What did he do? What did he do? Out, out of the word, <laughs> stored up in his heart. He slayed the enemy. He defeated the enemy. He hit him with the word of God, 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 hit him with the word of God. To be victorious over the enemy, 
We've got to have this word in our hearts bringing forth fruit in our lives. So because of the the incredible and power of the word of God and the incredible importance of this, I wanted to take some time and focus on this parable again, this teaching from Jesus, but really get down and focus on the thorns. Because that seems to be where most of us are, is right there. That seems to be maybe where our biggest trouble is, the thorns. Right, most of us are not the ro- are not the ro- are not the road where the the seed has been sown and quickly the enemy's taken it. We heard it, but it was gone, and and we're hard, and 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 we're not receiving anything. It's not it's not getting planted in us or bringing forth anything. You know, some of us could could be that rocky ground, but but many of us have have even removed some of the rocks out of our ground, right? That rocky ground where they, where we hear it and we accept it, and it actually begins to grow and and get roots down inside of it, and we're filled with joy because of it. But as soon as there's trouble or persecution or difficulty, that that word is is withered and and died because it couldn't get the the roots down there very deep into that ground. Most, a lot of people, a lot of Christians, are are more the thorny ground where they've heard the word and they've accepted it and it's even gotten planted deep down inside of them, right? So they'll even persevere and go through trouble and that word's not getting removed or pulled out of their lives. It's growing up in their lives and it's not something that they're gonna lose or have taken away from them, but the thorns are keeping it from being as fruitful as it could be not producing the fruit that it should, not being healthy and strong and life-giving and fruitful as it is supposed to be. And the enemy's like, I can't get it out and I couldn't steal it from them. It's planted there in them. But if I can cause these thorns to grow up and choke it so that it doesn't produce fruit, then man, I can keep them from everything that God has for them. I can keep him from the fruitful life that he has. I don't want that word to to get out of control and begin to be fruitful. So just let these thorns grow up in their lives so that the word of God is not as fruitful as it should be. This is unacceptable. We cannot have this. The word of God is too important in our lives. It's got to be planted. It's got to be rooted. It's got to grow. But it can't be stopped right before it brings forth fruit. It's got to come to maturity. By the way, that's what Luke says. Maybe I should have done Luke. Luke chapter 8. We might be going there next week. Luke chapter 8 says that, that, that what happens in that good ground is that the, the seed planted grows, produces a crop. It's able to come to maturity. We got a whole lot of immature word in a lot of people's hearts that's being choked out by the thorns. And interesting is Jesus is very clear and specific about what the thorns are. He says the thorns that come in, that grow up and keep that word from becoming fruitful like it should be are the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire for other things. These things grow up in our lives as thorns. And we look at them and think, man, well, maybe, you know, they're not that bad. And, 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 they're, and, we're, and Jesus isn't even talking about like wicked, sinful people here, right? That's probably more the road where they hear the word of God, but it's, nah, nah, I don't want none of that. Right? These are people that have accepted, received the word of God. It's growing in their lives, but it is being choked and not able to bring forth fruit. So we have got to deal with the thorns. Now here's the discouraging thing. 
I'll give you that first, right? Anybody ever done any like gardening or growing or anything like that? Probably all of us have done a little bit of it. Know that these thorns seem to just keep coming back and coming back and coming back and coming back. You got to deal with them and deal with them and deal with them and deal with them and deal with them. But the more you deal with them and the more fruitful you come, here's the encouraging thing, the easier it gets and the less they come back, the more fruitful it is. Right? The more the, the, the hay field is producing hay, the less thorns are able to be produced. The word of God gets so fruitful and strong that it chokes out thorns. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. I'm about to like, break out. I calmed myself down right there. Because I'm not really that. If I was a better dancer, I would. You know, but I don't want to embarrass myself. Gonna, you, know. you, want me to, you want to see me floss? No, no, Elizabeth said no, no. Elizabeth's like, please move on, Dad. Oh, my goodness. And praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. So we have got to deal with the thorns. Let me take a coffee break. Good thing is we can, right? The good thing about all these is that we can. The road can be plowed and broken up and prepared to become good ground, the rocky ground, the rocks can be dug out of that ground and removed so that it's good ground. And in the same way, the thorns can be removed and dealt with so that those thorns are gone and that the good ground is prepared and ready and can bring forth a harvest of the Word of God in our lives. So this morning, I would like to deal with the worries of this life. Now, this is a very, very important topic because it's a thorn that grows up and chokes out uh, our fruit, uh, our, 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 the seed of the word of God, making it not fruitful. And it is, it is a thorn that so many deal with that if we have removed it, it's probably going to try to grow and come back and we're going to have to deal with it and fight it and remove it again. And there are many places in Scripture that speak to this that we could turn to, like Matthew chapter 6, we're familiar with this, where Jesus just says to us, don't worry, don't worry, but seek first my kingdom and, and his kingdom, his righteousness, and, and all these things are going to be handled and taken care of for you. That's a powerful word. Or, you know, we could turn to Philippians chapter 4, where we are told to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice to not be anxious for anything, but in everything through prayer and petition and thanksgiving. Bring your requests to God and present them before Him. And the peace of God, which transcends understanding, will come and guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. These are powerful scriptures about worry, powerful truths about worry that help us deal with the worries of life so that these thorns are not growing in our hearts, but the word of God is flourishing and growing and bringing forth an abundant harvest in our lives. But this morning, what I would like to do is I would like to look at the life of King Hezekiah, because he really dealt with the worries of this life in a powerful, powerful way. Hezekiah was a wonderful uh, king. You know, we could probably start this story just to get all of the children's attention. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, or, or, or not a galaxy, right? It would be a long time ago, in a land far, far away 
there lived a mighty king, King Hezekiah. He was a wonderful man of God, and he trusted in the Lord with all of his heart. You can read about Hezekiah in 2 Kings. You can read about Hezekiah in 2 Chronicles. You can read about Hezekiah in Isaiah. When there's that much scripture on somebody, you ought to read about him. You ought to check him out. It says this in 2 Kings about Hezekiah. 2 Kings, um, what, what verse is that, Scott? 13? 2 Kings 5, there we go. It says this about Hezekiah. This is so wonderful. Uh, check this out. This is really just, this is it. We could almost close right here. Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. And if, if you want to deal with the worries of this life that can choke you out, this is really the key right here to trust in the Lord. Hezekiah really, most of the time, Proverbs 3, you know, fives it, where he trusts in the Lord with all of his heart and leans not on his own understanding. Listen to what it says about him. There was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before him or after him. This man trusted in the Lord. Verse 6. He held fast to the Lord and did not stop following him. He kept the commands the Lord had given Moses. He trusts in the Lord. He holds fast to the Lord and, and he lives for the Lord and serves him so much so that Hezekiah was one of the rare kings that not only dealt with the idol worship in Jerusalem, but he tore down the high places as well. Not only did he do that, but you remember the snake that Moses made in the wilderness that they were to look to to be healed? They had begun to worship that snake and Hezekiah realized that that was not right. And so he went after that snake and destroyed that snake as well. To burn that thing so that they would no longer worship it, but only worship God. And then Hezekiah went and he began to remodel the temple. And he opened the gates of the temple, the doors of the temple. And it says that he repaired the doors of the temple. That he covered those things and repaired them and and covered them in gold so that they were beautiful, repaired golden doors of the temple. And he, so he repairs the temple. He rids the, 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 the kingdom of idol worship. He is trusting in the Lord, serving the Lord. And then one day as Hezekiah is reigning, the king of Assyria, a guy named Sennacherib, comes and he begins to attack Hezekiah's kingdom. And he attacks cities in Judah and conquers those fortified cities, you know, cities with walls around them that you're not supposed to conquer. He conquers those cities and those fortified cities. He attacks those things and takes them over. Now, Hezekiah is in Jerusalem and he hadn't made it to Jerusalem yet, but he starts to, he starts to head that direction and to send threats in Hezekiah's direction. And now Hezekiah's got to deal with this king who not only has conquered all these cities in Judah, but has conquered many other kings around. He's got a reputation. They're going in, and he's victorious everywhere he goes. And now he's saying to Hezekiah, I'm coming for you, and you cannot stop me. Now Hezekiah has this opportunity 
What in the world am I going to do, right? The worries of this life start to creep up and they're for real. He's got a real problem facing him. I'm not saying that the, that the worries of this life don't come from real problems that grow up and that we face and that we have to deal with. But how Hezekiah deals with this is so important and I think we can learn some wonderful truth from this to help us deal with the thorn that is the worries of this life so that it doesn't grow up in our lives and choke out what God has for us and choke out the word of God planted within us. First thing that kind of disturbed me and and bothered me that I didn't even want to mention and then I thought, well man, this is, I need to mention this. This is This is something that we need to see. This is something that we need to know. Is that that Hezekiah, when this first begins to happen, he doesn't do very well, in my opinion. He, He tells the king, Sennacherib, he says, I've messed up. I've made mistakes. Now tell me what you want me to pay and I'll pay it and you then, you just go away. And so Sennacherib uh, takes Hezekiah's offer and he uh, puts this huge amount of money that Hezekiah's got to pay. And so Hezekiah, uh, in order to get all this money, he's got to go and take silver and gold out of the temple of the Lord to pay the bounty and he goes and he takes it out and, and there's, there's so much that he needs that those doors that he repaired and covered with gold, he's got to take the gold off of those doors because of the, the price was so, was so much and send that to Sennacherib. And I'm looking at that, I'm like, Hezekiah, why did you do that? That is not the right response. That is not what you should have done. But then then I realized that Hezekiah, in dealing with this, doesn't deal with it perfectly. And that that's an important lesson for us to learn. Because I think sometimes the worries of this life grow up because we feel like we've got to dot every I and cross every T that if we don't do things just perfectly that it's not going to work out. God's not going to show up. He's not going to move. He's not going to help. Hezekiah doesn't do this perfectly. But let me go ahead and ruin the story for you. God shows up and he fights for Hezekiah and Jerusalem and Judah and he wins. Because when God fights, he wins. King Sennacherib was not a big enough, bad enough dude to deal with just one angel that the Lord sends. The Lord says to one angel, go and deal with this. And one angel goes and deals with this loudmouth king who had defeated fortified cities and kings all over that known world, who had Hezekiah so terrified that he's stripping the temple of gold and silver to pay for it. Hezekiah messes up. And God still moves. Hezekiah doesn't do it perfectly. And God still moves. Because Hezekiah, even though he doesn't do it perfectly, he is a man who trusts in the Lord. He had a little bit of a failure. He doesn't make a great decision. He's not perfect. God still shows up and helps. You don't have to get it just right. 
You don't have to be perfect. God is still with you. He still knows you. He still knows what you're facing, what you're going through. And even though you don't get it just right, he can still move in there and make a way where there seems to be no way. Can still show up and be victorious in your life. How many of you know that just like Hezekiah wasn't perfect, you're not perfect? Do you know that? Did you know this? I just want to get it out here so you know it. Sometimes people don't know it. I just wanted to make it known. I'm not perfect either. Not either. All you people watching online, I hate to break it to you, but you already know it. You're not perfect either. And that's one of the reasons why we worry is we recognize it. Right, man, I'm, I'm a mess. I'm not perfect. I cannot handle this. This is a situation that Hezekiah is in. We are all in those situations as we can all get in them as well. But instead of worrying because we can't handle it and we're not perfect and we're going to mess up, let's remember Hezekiah messed up. He wasn't perfect. God still showed up. He never backed up off of holding on to the Lord or trusting in Him. That's what we need. We got to trust. I'm not saying go and sin and uh, God's going to deal with it. No. I'm saying if you mess up and you don't get everything right, God knows your heart and he can still step in and move and make a way where there doesn't seem to be a way. You need to go read Psalm 103, right? Because that reminds us that God remembers that we are but dust. But we are but dust. He knows that we are not perfect. He knows that we fail and that we mess up and that we make bad decisions. Don't worry, you're not perfect. You're going to mess up. God can still come in the mess and do what he is going to do. Second thing that I'd like to point out here that Hezekiah does is found in 2 Kings 19.1. This is so important, is that he went to the temple. When King Hezekiah heard this, he tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and went into the temple of the Lord. Now what has happened here is, is uh, Sennacherib has now sent letters uh, to Hezekiah saying, Hey man, I'm coming to Jerusalem. Nothing you can do about it. I'm going to defeat uh, you. I'm going to destroy uh, the city. And then, and then he begins to mock God and says, and, and, and your God can't do anything about it either. He says, you're trusting in the Lord and, and that's... That's false, and you're trying to deceive your people to trust in the Lord, and you shouldn't do that either, because all the gods of these other people, they weren't able to stop me, and your God can't stop me either. That's probably Sinitra's big mistake, right there. Just mess with God's glory. God's like, what? I can't stop you? I can send one angel and stop you. Hezekiah, in the midst of this, he runs to the temple of the Lord. It's so important. We need to remember this. It seems like when worries come up, that one of the things that we can do is, is to run away from the church. And one of the things that we need to do, not only is it to remember not perfect, but we need to come together with the church. We need to come together with the people of God. We need to come together with the saints who will strengthen us and refresh us and encourage us and will help us to fight the thorns off and so that we don't have to fight them all off by ourselves. Hezekiah went to the temple. 
He was in trouble, had some worries growing up in his life, and he went to the temple. This is one of the reasons why in America there's so many Christians who've got the word planted in them, but it's not bringing forth the fruit that it ought to bring forth in their lives because they're abandoning the church. Because they're not coming together as the people of God. I'm not talking about buildings. I'm talking about a gathering together of the temples of the Holy Spirit that make the temple, the house of God, the church. If you will come together, and I'm preaching to the choir here. Let me just talk to everybody watching online. If you will come together with the church, you're going to find that worries do not come and grow in your life as abundantly as they would if you isolate yourself from the temple, from the church, from the people of God. Come to church. Come to church. It'll help clear out those thorns of worry. The third thing that I'd like to to say to you is, is that this is found in Hezekiah 19, 5 through 7. He sought after a word from the Lord. He contacted Isaiah and he said, Isaiah, here's the mess that we are in, man. Need you to pray. We need to hear what God would say. We need to hear the word of the Lord. And so this is what uh, Isaiah says uh, in, in 5 and 6, 19, 5 and 6. When King Hezekiah's officials came to Isaiah, Isaiah said to them, tell your master, this is what the Lord says. Hallelujah. That is like maybe one of the best ways to deal with worry it is to tell your worry what the Lord says. One of the troubles with worry in our lives, one of the reasons that it can so choke out the Word of God in our lives is it steals our meditation. It steals our thought life. It takes control of our thinking, doesn't it? Am I the only one that when worries come, man, it's a battle in my mind to not think about them. They want to take my thoughts. They want to take my meditation. And my meditation, remember, needs to be on the word of the Lord day and night. That's Psalms chapter 1. And when I meditate on the Lord day and night, then I am like a tree planted by rivers of water, which brings forth its fruit in season, and whatsoever I do prospers. But when the worry can come and take my meditation, take my thought life, then, then, then it robs me of that fruit that is produced by meditating on the word of the Lord. So what I need to do is what Hezekiah did. I need to go get a word from God that speaks to my worry. And meditate not on my worry, but meditate on what God has said to my worries. And what God has said to my worries then comes and chokes out the worry in my life. And the word of God is then able to flourish and grow and be fruitful. It is my meditation, my thinking. This is why worry is so bad, because it's robbing us of our meditation on God's word. And we got to take it back. The way we take it back is to just proclaim to our worry what the Lord has said. This is what the Lord says. You know, tell your worry about your finances what the Lord says. Tell your worry about your children what the Lord says. Tell your worry about your health what the Lord says. Tell your worries about the future what the Lord has to say. Speak to it and think on that and meditate on that and let the Word of God choke out your worries. 
This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid of what you have heard. Don't be afraid of what your worries are speaking to you or what anybody else says. It doesn't line up with what the Lord says. Those words uh, which the underlings of the king of Assyria have blasphemed me. Listen, when he hears a certain report, I will make him want to return to his own country and there uh, I will have him cut down with the sword. Uh, so after the angel comes and, and, and wipes out you know, much of his army, uh, he returns uh, to Nineveh. Uh, did you know he's from Nineveh? Does that ring a bell? Read the story of Jonah. From Nineveh, he returns to Nineveh, and there uh, at home in Nineveh, two of his sons come. You know, you're probably not a great guy if your sons come and cut you down with a sword. Two of his sons come and cut him down with a sword. Fourth thing, fourth observation here uh, from the life of Hezekiah uh, that is so important in us defeating Uh, cutting down and eliminating this thorn of the worries uh, of this life is he prays and gives it to the Lord. Hezekiah does, before Paul ever wrote Philippians 4, Hezekiah does it. He takes his care to the Lord. Sennacherib sends Hezekiah a letter and Hezekiah, this threatening, I'm going to defeat you. Go and look at all the other kings. Where are they? Where are their gods? They've been defeated. Hezekiah takes this to the Lord, lays out the letter to the Lord, and prays. This is found in, in 19, 13 through 19, 2 Kings 19, 13 through 19. <clears throat> let's, go at, let's go to 14. Hezekiah received the letter from the messengers and read it. And then he went up to the temple of the Lord and spread it out before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed to the Lord, Lord, God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubim, you alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Give ear, Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, Lord, and see. Listen to the words Sennacherib has sent to ridicule the living God. It's some good praying too. But remember, you don't have to pray perfect. Right? This is good. This is good praying. But you don't have to pray good. You don't have to pray perfect. Just in your trust, dependence, run to God and pray. Just bring your petition, your request with thanksgiving. Lay it out before the Lord. Say, God, I can't do anything about this. I'm not enough. I'm not perfect. I need you, Lord. I know that you can do something. It is true, Lord, verse 17, that the Assyrian kings have laid waste these nations and their lands. And what he's saying is true. They have thrown their gods into the fire and destroyed them, for they were not gods, but only wood and stone fashioned by human hands. Now, Lord our God, deliver us from his hand, so that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone, Lord our God. He lays this out. He prays. He brings it to the Lord. He says, God, I can't deal with this. You've got to deal with this. This is so important. This is what Philippians 4 tells us to do. And Hezekiah does it, and God shows up and deals with this. Like I said, he sends one angel, and one angel goes into the camp and and slays Nearly 200,000 of the enemy. Sennacherib returns home. 
He is then slain by his two sons. God comes and he handles what Hezekiah cannot handle, what Hezekiah cannot deal with. Instead of us carrying around our worries, thinking that we've got to deal with it, thinking that we've got to handle it, why don't we just do what Scripture says and take it to the Lord, spread it out before Him, lay it down. Maybe you even need to write it down. Maybe you need to take paper and write down what you're worried about. Take it into your secret place, into your prayer closet. Lay it before the Lord and cry out to God for help. Say, Lord, this is a real problem. I'm not saying it's not real. I'm not saying it's not a real problem. I'm not saying it's not a big deal. I'm saying God can handle what we can't handle. He tells us not to worry about it, to bring it to him. And we bring it to him and we lay it out and say, Lord, I don't know how you're going to do it, but I know you can do it. I trust you. I give you this. And then instead of worry creating in us, worry that we're hanging on to creating in us all kinds of anxiety, we bring this to the Lord. We give it to him. We lay it down. And instead of anxiety, peace. Peace that passes understanding comes and guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Let's learn lessons from Hezekiah. Remember, you're not perfect, but you don't have to be. God can still show up and will. Remember, don't abandon the people of God. Don't abandon the church. We need each other. We need the encouragement of our brothers and sisters in Christ. We've got to come together. Come to the temple. Don't let the worry grow up. Get a word from God that speaks to your worry. And instead of worrying, meditate on that word. And then pray. Come and bring to the Lord your need, your trouble, whatever you're facing, whatever's worrying you, the worries of this life. Bring them to Him in prayer and lay them at His feet and trust in Him to handle your every care, your every need. And if we'll do these things, it's going to help us to eliminate this thorn of the worries of this life, which is not something that we have to live with. Something that is so dangerous that it chokes the Word of God and makes it unfruitful. Now, I'm not saying it's not going to come back and we're going to have to battle it again. How many of you know that we've got to battle this? you got to fight the thorns and fight the thorns and fight the thorns. But I'm telling you, like I said before, the more you fight it, the stronger you get, the less they come. The more fruit the Word of God produces in your life, the less room the thorns have to get what they need to grow. And they begin to become choked and they begin to die so that the Word of God can be even more fruitful. Don't live with this, this thorn of the worries of life. Cut it down, eliminate it, be free of it. We can be in Jesus' name so that the word of God can bring forth a harvest in our lives. Let's pray together. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I just want to ask you this morning, all of you watching online, I know there's somebody dealing with the worries of this life right now. And why don't we just respond to this now? Why don't we just take this now and bring it to the Lord in prayer 
and lay it out before him and give it to him. Lay it in his hands. He is, he is as we sang this morning, he is unstoppable and he can do the impossible. He is the mighty warrior. No enemy can stand against him. He is Jehovah Jireh, our great provider. He can provide for our every need. You ought to go read Psalm 107 and just let it strengthen you as God comes and every time his people cry out in whatever situation they are in, he comes and delivers, he delivers, he delivers, he delivers, and he delivers again. That's why we can rejoice. And again, I say rejoice because he provides and he provides again. He delivers and he delivers again. He's victorious and he's victorious again. He sets us free and he sets us free again. He lifts us up and he lifts us up again. He strengthens us and he strengthens us again. He is faithful and he's faithful again. So we rejoice and again I say rejoice. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we come to you right now with our worries, whatever they may be. All of us have different ones. Lord, you know, in this world, everybody thinks, well, you just worry. That's the way it is. It's just something you got to deal with. But you clearly spoke to us and said not to. And you've told us that these worries are more dangerous than we think because they keep us from being fruitful. And you want us to bear fruit, fruit that will last, that God will be exalted and glorified and honored. So Lord, help us not to live with worry, but to cut down this thorn and burn it so that it's gone in Jesus' name. And ever it come again, Lord, we stomp on it, crush it, destroy it, burn it, deal with it again. Lord, give us, give us a revelation this morning and truth from the, from the story of Hezekiah. Help us to learn how to deal with this. Get a word and to stay in church and to bring everything to you in prayer. Remember that we're going to fail and mess up, but you can still make a way where there seems to be no way. Lord, this morning, we bring to you our worries and we lay them down at your feet. And we say, Lord, can you please handle this? It's bigger than me. It's more than I am. I need you to take care of it. We give them to you right now. Jesus' name. We thank you for peace that comes, that passes understanding, that guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. We praise you for this, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to ask you this morning, let me ask all of you watching, do you trust God like Hezekiah does? Have you trusted Jesus with your life? Have you made him your Lord and your Savior. This morning, your heart may be that, that hard road that hears the word, but Satan quickly comes and steals it. But today, something's about to change. Jesus can come and transform your life, break up your hard heart, so that you are able to receive the word of the Lord. I believe it's happening right now, so that you can receive the word of the Lord. And he is calling you this morning to come to him, to trust in him, to put your faith in him, to give him your whole heart, to give him your life. Let us ask this morning, if that's what you want to do, that you would just pray with me. Just repeat after me and I'll just lead you in a prayer. Just pray this from your heart and give your life to Jesus today. Let's pray together 
and just make Jesus Lord of our lives. Lord Jesus, I open my heart. I ask you to come in. I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm not perfect. I receive your forgiveness in Jesus' name. Help me, Jesus, to live for you all of my days. In the mighty name of Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. If you prayed that prayer this morning, and we believe that Jesus has come into your life, and now He's working on the ground that is your heart so that you can receive the life-changing, life-giving Word of the Lord. Let's have, let's have hearts that are good ground, church, so that the Word of God can bring forth an abundant harvest. Slay that vine of worry and don't let it grow so that you can bring forth fruit. Amen? God bless. Have a great week. Check us out Wednesday. See you back here Sunday. God bless.